What's going on, guys? Welcome to In the Zone. I'm your host, Garrison Roy, and this is where we talk about being in the strike zone as far as skill acquisition, being in the zone mentally, and also different zones of training. And if you're new to the podcast, we got rants, we got mental minute game hacks, deep dive educational episodes, and also full length interviews, which we have today. Uh, but if you have any questions or topics or any future guests that you want to hear, email that in to In the Zone Podcast 123 at gmail.com, which had a shorter email address, but that's what we got. Um, yeah, and if you get any value out of this or learn something or know someone who needs to hear it, share it with them, right? Because this is how this show grows through value exchange. I don't run ads or anything like that. This is just something to help push the game forward and help other coaches and players along the line. But without further ado, we got Brian Walker, the Assistant Head Strength Coach at IMG. What's going on, my man? What's going on, Garrison? I appreciate you having me on. Um, I know we've kind of had like a little back and forth of trying to get this going, but I'm happy we got it squared away and we're on today. So I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I am love love connection with guys and, you know, just talking shop and seeing how guys end up, you know, in positions in a lot of different ways. As we probably tell athletes too, there's no straight path towards success right that's all lefts and rights up down crazies you know and then coaching is no different so no, for sure for sure for sure everybody's experience is different so i definitely attest to that to some of the coaches i've uh, connected with and been mentored by of like just learning from their experiences there's always something you can learn from somebody because everybody's path is super different so it's cool no doubt, no doubt, and some of them may even not even be in the sport that they originally intended to be in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I guess talk to us a little bit about how you ended up down the strength and conditioning route. Was this something you always wanted to do, or was this like something that you kind of ran into as you were playing? Uh, you know, walk us through that. Yeah, for sure. So, it actually is kind of a crazy story. So. Like, I'm sure most strength coaches, like, I grew up playing sports. Um, my mom put me in every sport you could think of. I played roller hockey. I played soccer. I played uh, baseball, football, all of that. So um, that's kind of where my sports came in. Um, the thing that's kind of funny is that I never really thought about strength and conditioning initially. I actually was looking into uh, sports medicine, right? So I just kind of, as a young kid, I've been in sports. And my mom was a nurse, so I kind of took sports and medicine and just kind of put them together, and it was something I wanted to do. Um, so uh, growing up, I actually did play, like like I said, football, baseball. Um, as I got into high school, I kind of focused more of my attention to baseball, um, and that more so came down to I was going the football route, and then I sustained an injury, broke my left arm, and I was like, yeah, that's it. And mom was like, yeah, football is not the route he's doing anymore. So Made my way into baseball, played baseball through high school, um, was able to get a college scholarship to Florida Gold Coast University, which is not that far from here right now, which is kind of cool to think, uh, in Fort Myers, Florida. So I started out there. Um, while I was there, I was looking to actually get into sports medicine with a concentration in athletic training. So I was like, I knew I wanted to help people. 
Um, I was around medicine. I was around sports. So I was like, why not? Um, so uh, I actually was only at Florida Gulf Coast for one year, not because of uh, from athletics, more so from academics and what that. Sorry about that. Uh oh. Boom. Yeah, they got fancy lights out here too. Sorry about that. <laughs> but yeah, so um, over there, yeah, I was going into, I went into me with the sports medicine department and I was like, hey, like, I want to go into this. They gave me like the whole spiel about it. I'm like, all right, cool, let's do it. So at the end of the meeting, it was an hour long meeting. They were like, so what brings you to Florida Gulf Coast University? I was like, oh, I actually play baseball for uh, the baseball team here. And they're like, oh, so I was like, oh, what do you mean? Oh, and they're like, oh, well, we don't allow student athletes into our program just because of the demands of the department and like doing like internships and all that stuff. And then the demands of the sport or anything. So, I mean, I had to make a, a tough decision. Was I going to stay there and play baseball, have a dream of playing Division One baseball and just kind of pick a, a, a generic like route for academics and put all my eggs in one basket? Or was I, you know, wanted to stick with my plan of like kind of having a fallback of like academics and all that. So I ended up making the decision of leaving Florida Gulf Coast University. And before all this transfer portal stuff, you couldn't transfer to another division one or you had to sit out of here. (laughs) So then I ended up going to uh, Palm Beach Atlantic University in West Palm Beach, Florida. Um, And while I was there, my director of my program and baseball, they were like, hey, he can do all of his academic work in the fall and you can have him for the spring. So they're like, all right, cool. So they made it work, um, ended up going four years there um, and finishing uh, finishing with my degree uh, in sports medicine with a concentration in athletic training. So for athletic training, you got to take your board of certification and then get licensed. Um, but I guess I played pretty decently and I had the opportunity to play professionally. Um, so I ended up playing uh, semi-professional uh, uh, in the Frontier League independent ball um, up in Illinois. So I was like, hey, let me give this a shot. Once it doesn't work out, I can always come back and just finish up what I need to. So did that for two years, come back to find out that in order to take your board of certifications, you got to get approved for it. So when I came back, the approval only lasts two years. I played two years. So I came back to school and I was like, hey, like I'm ready to take it. They're like, oh, well, you got to re-enroll. And at the time I was on scholarship, so my school is paid for um, and when I went back, obviously not on scholarship anymore. So I have to pay for school. And I think it was like 60,000 for like a year to get reapproved to take my board certification. So again, I'm always a person that everything happens for a reason, even like in the rest of my story. So, um, I ended up like, Hey, I'm going to go do something else. Um, and that's what kind of led me to strength and conditioning. So I had a buddy that actually worked at a sports performance gym, private sector gym. And I went there and I interned for six months. I loved it. I loved being around him. I loved being around the clients or whatever. Fortunate enough, after six months, they gave me a full-time job as a sports performance coach. Um, and I was there for three, four years, contracted strength coach with a local division two, Lynn University, which was actually in the conference of the school I, I played at. So that was kind of crazy. Um, so worked with them while I was there. Um, and then in fall of 19, fall of 19, I was like, hey, I love working with the college athletes. Like private sector is awesome and all that, but like I kind of want to do something different. Want to be a part of a team. Want to be something. Be a part of something bigger than myself. So I, I made the decision to leave my full time job as a sports performance coach and uh, packed up everything in my car and drove to Ruston, Louisiana, uh, to go work for uh, Kurt Hester at Louisiana Tech University. Yeah. So was there uh, worked baseball, softball, um, 
uh, there and assisted with football with him. Um, if anybody knows, like uh, Coach Hester during his time at Louisiana Tech, he didn't have the setup of like he was a head football guy and fo- uh, four or five assistants. It was him and then paid interns. So he was just people were coming in and out and he was pumping out strength coaches. So I was there to help out with them. Um, was there awesome. Um, still to this day, talk to Coach Hester. He's like a big mentor of mine. Um, and then obviously spring of 20 was COVID. So quarantine. So both my team seasons got shut down um, and uh, ended up going home for quarantine. And that's where the opportunity at University of Georgia opened up uh, as a paid internship. And uh, Coach Hester didn't give me a choice. <laughs> he was like, you're going there. Like you're going to University of Georgia. Uh, you're not staying here. So ended up going there was a paid intern the fall of 20. Um, moved into the graduate assistant position. So I ended up getting my master's in kinesiology with a concentration in strength and conditioning. Um, And then finished that up in 22. um, And then was with the Cleveland Guardians organization, formerly known as the Indians, if anybody was wondering. Um, So I was with them them for just over a year. And then, um, you know, IMG opportunity came up, just kind of fell in my lap from a mentor of mine. And um, it was an opportunity to come back home. So I um I couldn't I couldn't uh pass that up and that's why I'm here. Skip ahead the next sixty seconds if you don't want to find out about the company I co-founded, Ink Sports Performance. So here's the scoop. At Ink Sports Performance, we get it. We were athletes ourselves, former college and professional pitchers. We were also perform- former college coaches as well. Rob and I, we don't do one-size-fits-all programs. We custom craft each training and throwing program and offer that one-on-one coaching support that you need where you're not just a number. We're all about that personal touch. We'll dive into your training videos, whip up some of the program designed to take you to your next level. Nothing cookie-cutter here. So if you, one of your friends, or maybe a player that you know is serious about competing at the next level, hit us up on our website, Give us a call, get that set up at inksportsperformance.com. And also, just a heads up, we're also very selective who we take, right? We only take a handful of dedicated athletes, and if you're not putting in the work, we'll have to say goodbye. So let's ink you in to the next level. Love it. That's, yeah, yeah, like I said at the beginning, it's like nobody... It's crazy. It's crazy. That's really cool, though. I've never heard of someone who's gone from athletic training to then strength and conditioning. I've seen yeah. maybe a few flip the opposite way, um, you know, but that that's really cool how your path led you down to to this really cool route. And I know I'm originally from like South Arkansas, so I know exactly where Ruston, Louisiana and it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, oh, man, I'm sure you got there and you're like, Oh, what did I get myself into coming here? I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but that's awesome. I love it. And I'm sure, you know, just being in that environment from switching over from private sector to the college setting is, you know, you have different uh dynamics of how things sure. work there, you know, and like team settings, you're you're getting teams in and out, you know, you have very limited time as far as NCAA is concerned, and then, you know, going to a pro setting might be a little bit different and now you're kind of switching back to that private sector side so talk a a little bit more of you know what what you know i i think the general information and what you need to know is probably fairly similar but there's a lot of different challenges 
and you know just different ways and how all three of those work and yeah um so i would say like working in the private sector it's uh i think that was the biggest advantage for me in a sense of like when it came to people skills right so like you're in a service industry in the private sector people walk through the door you 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 provide a service but then you have to pretty much build those relationships in order for them to get that recurring right so um i think that was the biggest thing for me from the private sector that i took um, for me, I always, you get that infamous question during interviews, what are your strengths and weaknesses? Um, to this day, I believe one of my strengths is relationships. Um, and I think a lot of that was set from a foundation in the private sector of like, I mean, you're talking, you're talking to kids. I think I had kids as young as nine and I had a client as old as 79 and I had your soccer moms in there. Um, you had your high school athletes, you had your college athletes, um, starting off season programs. So I had minor league players, major league players and all that. So it's a wide range of like people that you kind of have to meet them where they're at and kind of like build those relationships. Um, when it comes to the college, so going to college, I felt like, okay, well, I kind of have that range between six and 79 years old, like down pat. Now I feel like it's like, okay, now I'm just focusing on 18 to 22 in college. So for me, in a sense, it was not that hard for me just because it was like, during my time when I was getting there, I wasn't far removed from that kind of like age group, um, like three to five years older. Um, so kind of stayed in tune. Um, another thing I kind of take pride in is like when new music comes out or anything like that, like these kids love music, right? So trying to stay up on top of that. So just finding like kind of commonalities. I think also having that base of like, I used to be a player, so I understand like the, the lingo um, I think in college, the biggest thing, especially is uh, sport coaches. Um, I remember when I was going to switch to college, I re- reached out to some SNC coaches that I know were in college and I asked them, I was like, hey, I know the great things about strength and conditioning in college. Like, that's fine. That's the whole reason why I love it. What's the BS that you guys deal with? I feel like that's what I, I need to know in order to have a real ex- realistic expectation going into this next role. And uh, a lot of it was just like, managing sport coaches, making sure that you're providing, uh, you're showing that you're valuable on a staff, um, pro- uh, providing results, all that stuff. So that was kind of like across the board. Um, so I think with the coaches speaking the same language, being in the sport, being immersed, um, going through like the travel ball circuit, knowing what that looks like when it comes to recruiting, um, oh, yeah. understanding like playing in college of what that grind looks like of like time of the year, fall, fall ball, um, preseason, spring, Um, And then like summer ball, even these kids going off to summer ball where they're maybe away from home for the first time. Like if, you know, at University of Georgia, you got kids that were from Georgia. So then now they're going to summer ball up in Virginia or up in Boston, like the Cape Cod League or anything like that. So like having like, hey, this is what you're going to expect. This is what you should do, trying to help them out in life and all that stuff. Um, So I think that was huge. And I think that was huge for me. So those aspects of college were kind of different um, because like, people in the private sector it's like i mean you got moms they got whole families like their life is set they just want to come there and complain about jimmy how he didn't kick the ball into the goal and didn't score three goals and he's not the next messy right so uh you got all that but then going into college like it's it's a huge part of their life where they're developing and learning how to like like learning themselves but then also learning what they're going to be when they leave so i think just tying in that part of like a lot of the stuff we do in the weight room, yeah, it's great for like sports performance and getting them ready for their sport and being successful. But like, I feel like a lot of that stuff is like teaching moments, like 
I, I tell I tell my athletes like these weights don't care about your feelings. But then again, like life, life doesn't care about your feelings sometimes too. It's hard, right? So you have two choices. You either are going to try again the next time you're doing those weights and and like eventually break through that ceiling. Same thing in life. You're going to face some 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 walls and some obstacles. What are you going to do? Lay down or are you just going to persevere through it and keep progressing? So I think you can just tie into that stuff. So um, I thought that was kind of like a big thing in college. And then professional setting, it's like, I mean, it's almost like college, but a lot of these kids just have money. So you got a wide range also. You're looking at 16 to, I mean, you're looking at uh, players that are up in their 40s. You know what I mean? So you go back to that wide range. And again, I think having that time in the private sector of having the wide range, I would say professional baseball is very similar. The only thing that uh, private sector probably doesn't uh, prepare you for is the amount of Spanish you have to speak and different languages. So um, that's definitely a nuance. And um, yeah, coming here to IMG, I would probably say it's more of like a college setting, um, which is crazy because technically a high school, um, but uh, the setup is you have every resource that, you know, I've seen at the power five level in professional baseball. So um, you kind of have both of those settings all in one. Um, But then IMG is very uh, profit, uh, profit forward uh, um, place. Um, having to pay in a sense of like, you have to pay to come here almost in a sense, like a college. Um, so, um, customer service is a real big thing. So almost taking that, Hey, you got team, team setting, but then it's almost set up like a college, but then you're providing a service like the private sector. So having that experience in all three of those to come to this, uh, opportunity has been so far. It, I'm hoping that it, uh, works out for me as I'm just starting here, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's very well said too. Like how you kind of tying in, you know, different aspects. Cause a lot of people just think it's like, Hey, we're just lifting weights. So we're just doing yeah. that. You know, we're running today or working on sprints, you know, whatever. But I love what you said too, like, especially with the college guys, where they're maybe leaving home for the first time, like, yeah. and you're teaching them some of these life lessons and you're, you're, you're a mentor in a way for them. You know, like you hear the saying all the time, it doesn't, take one person it takes a village to you know help grow someone and you're part of that village especially in the college setting like you're helping them grow into being you know good humans hopefully absolutely absolutely that's the goal you know provide and be able to function in society outside of what they've probably all known was either being at home or being in uh, a sport that they've once known some days they'll have to learn like hey I got to hang the cleats up, whether it's pro ball or right after college, or if there is a unfortunate, you know, career ending injury, like there's a lot of stuff that you have to kind of talk about with guys too. For sure. For sure. And I think like, that's, that's a big thing. Cause like at the end of the day, like, yeah, you're working with athletes, but like, you got to take a step, like step back. And it's like, you're working with humans. Like they, they, they got emotions. They're going through stuff. There's stuff going on at home. Mom and dad might not be doing well. Grandparents might not be doing well. And like, in a sense, like when you throw out that term holistic approach, like you can't ignore the life aspect of it. Right. Um, I think like even it's almost even going to be even like I'm thinking here of when having the athletes. Yeah, they're in a high school like age group, but they they have the same stresses and same struggles as what they're going to face in college. So like you're taking 18 to 22, they're leaving home. And I'm sure you have it like there hasn't been like, there's been a bunch of times where they've been homesick. Now take that and dial it back. Now you're looking at 17 to almost like 
you're looking at 14, 13, maybe 12 years old. And IMG being like a, like a one of one, you got kids that literally are sent here mm-hmm. to come to school here. All over. Yeah. So now, so, and they're coming from all over. Like there's kids on in the baseball program from California. So they're all the way from home. They're not even in college yet. They're doing this in high school. Then they're going to go to another college and go to another place and all that stuff. It's just, it's just too hard to ignore uh, from that standpoint, especially when it comes to the holistic approach of like doing what you need to like, yeah, you're like, I guess in a sense, everybody throws out like stress is stress, right? So whether that's a weight on your back, whether that's conditioning or anything like that, life is a stress too. So you can't just ignore it. So just kind of, for me, I, I put so much of an emphasis in that because it is, it goes back to that, that common saying, like, they don't know how much you know until they, you, they know how much you care. So I feel like if you care about them outside of that, like everything else will take care of itself for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and to your point, like outside of life being a stress, like, you know, having relationships with athletes and knowing like, oh, hey, I got this really big, you know, ACT or SAT test. Coming yeah. All right, cool. So we're not going to like go crazy with this. For sure. <laughs> right. For sure. For sure. There's a lot of stuff that a lot of people don't realize does matter until you're in the thick of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, it's actually kind of cool how that's all tied back and looking back at your progression, like, hey, all right, you had the private sector piece, you had the college piece, you had the pro setting to where you had all the resources. And now you have like a best of both worlds with this position. So it's it's pretty neat um, to kind of roll back on what you were saying there, like younger kids. I w- way back when this was like, you know, early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. Sent me to IMG just for like a camp thing. It wasn't. Yeah, absolutely. So I went and I was like, okay, cool. And then there was a bunch of other guys. We were like staying in these little, you know, almost dorm like things. So this was my first experience of like ever going. And my two brothers and family were down the street at Disney while I was doing this thing. Yeah, there yeah. Two days in, I was like, man, this is really what it takes. Like this, this kind of sucks. For sure. For sure. I, I was also jealous of my brothers. I was like, yeah, they're having fun at Disney. I'm over here grinding. Like for sure, for part sure. Of me was like, all right, cool. And another part of me was like, I still want to be a kid again too. Yeah, yeah. No, so, it's definitely it's definitely a balance. Like, it's it's crazy because like you have that where it's like again, like you have these young kids, like they're kids. You know what I'm saying? But then again, it's like they are paying this money to come here, and in a sense, to give them that advantage to where. I guess the ultimate goal is to like make that transition to the next step super easy. Right. So like just talking to some parents the other day, like Jimmy's 14 years old, like why, why would I send Jimmy here or anything like that? And I think the biggest thing is there is that transition period where it's like, think about you go to a high school that maybe doesn't have all the resources, nothing wrong with it. You still can get it accomplished. But then now you go to a college where they have like pre-screenings or you're doing movement screens, you're doing um, stuff with force plates, Nordboard, force frame, just testing all this stuff. You're getting pricked and all that stuff. Like that could be a lot, right? So like that's, that's a big transition. So coming to a place like this where you technically have all the resources that you would have at a college, now you're exposed to that early. So now you're exposing them early to it. So the same thing with training, like you expose a kid earlier to training, they're probably de- their development is going to be um, in a sense better than somebody that doesn't start as early. Right. So you're kind of getting that going. So it's the same standpoint here. Like you're getting exposed to movement screens, force plates, all that stuff. So that when you do go to maybe a university of Georgia, 
it's nothing new. So now it's like, all right, like this is something that I'm used to This is part of the routine. And then I can just go out there and focus on what I came here to do when playing whichever sport that might be, you know? Yeah. Well, it definitely will help a lot of that transition be a lot more seamless. For sure. For sure. That, you know, when you see a lot of new stuff like that, because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I was like middle of Arkansas, you know, had very little resources. The weight room was like something only the football team did. Right. Right. See this and I'm like, whoa, this is a lot of bells and whistles. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like this is what college is going to be like. All right, cool. I'm in. Exactly. exactly. Uh, so you have all that. And being exposed to that beforehand, I was, I kind of already had a taste of it. So I was like, okay, cool. Like that also helped me set goals to be like, Hey, this is what. Right. Get to that level. Right. Right. So, but yeah. Um, what would you say, you know, being in all those uh, different levels of play there, is there anything that's more consistent or maybe uh, a staple that you've seen throughout all those levels, all, you know, six years to, you know, someone who's just trying to live a better, healthier lifestyle and even with the professional athletes. Yeah. I mean, I think the common thing we touch on it is like the people, right? So um, I think also a big staple is education. Like um, it's crazy to think that like, you know, I have seven, seven year old Jimmy in the private sector. He's never been in the weight room. So you're teaching a lot of that stuff and that's totally fine. And then you got maybe soccer mom, Susan, who is finally is like, I want to get healthier and I want to do all that. So she's never been in the weight room. So then there's that education point, right? Then you go to college. And again, like you have the transition where, like you said, football is probably the sport that probably gets exposed to the weight room a lot. Baseball is like, no, you show and go like weight room is not a thing like that. That could be a possibility in high school. So then coming into college, there's that education piece on like why it's important, how it kind of ties in. And then you go to professional baseball where for me, like this past year, I worked with the rookie ball team out in Arizona at our player development uh, facility. These kids are 16, 17 years old that all they knew from their countries and how to get out was play baseball. So the last thing they're thinking about is the weight room or anything like that. They don't, and it's nothing to them. It was just, they're just focused on getting out. They're just trying to get a better way of life. They've seen so many people, whether it's from Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, that like got out playing the sport of baseball. So they just did that, whether it's like they hit 500 balls off the tee, uh, they they go and throw bullpens, they, they make sure their arm is good, they do long toss all the time just to like improve their performance. So their first time getting exposed is when they get into an organization or anything like that. So just those points or anything like that is just the education point. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, it's been so important and it continues to be important, especially like knowing why, right? So I talk about the foundation is relationships. You got to have a relationship, right? So because if you're trying to tell someone, if I don't know you and I come over you and I'm like, hey, uh, Garrison, like, this is what I think you should do with your life. What's telling you, what's stopping you from telling me to kick rocks? Like, hey, man, you don't know me. Like, why are you giving me this advice? But if I took the time to get to know somebody, get to know an athlete and like, hey, like this coach cares, like he's asking about my family. He's asking about what my life was, how I kind of grew up to kind of get an idea of like where I'm at. So meeting people where they're at, then it's like, hey, this is what we're going to do. Because right when you kind of hit that level, the next level is like, all right, what are you going to do for me? How are you going to help me in my career? How are you going to help me get closer to my goal that I have for myself? And in my realm, it's like, hey, well, 
I want to make you, I want to make you bigger. I want to make you faster. I want to make you stronger. Right. So then it's like, okay, well, how are you going to do that? Boom. Education. So this is how we're going to do it. This is why we do it. Um, this is the reason why we do it at this point of the year. This is the reason why we don't do it at this point of the year. This is why we emphasize uh, this aspect of training in this point of the year. This is why we don't. This is why we use this piece of technology during one aspect of the year. This is why we don't. So I think just that education part is huge just from a buy-in standpoint, but then also from the standpoint of like, uh, um, just like getting kids to like follow, right? So not follow, but then again, I just said, buy into what you're what you're saying. So now that they know why they're doing it, um, um, how it's going to help them, um, knowing that you you have that sense of care of them, then it's like, all right, well, at this point, I, I make the joke sometimes to coaches where it's like, yeah, I have those relationships with my kids. Like if I got a, a, a workout off of YouTube and wrote it on the board, they will do it. If I say jump, jump how high? And that's because I put so much emphasis on building a relationship with them, showing that I care, um, showing that their success is my success. Um, that I want, I want their goal that they have. I want it just as bad uh, for them too. And then everything else kind of falls into place. So that's where I mentioned earlier, where it's like, if you take care of all of that, everything falls into place. So yeah, kind of go back to like the answer to your question. Like, I think the education piece, the people piece one, but then the education piece from private sector to college, um, different levels of college, professional, even coming here, the education piece is, is consistent across the board. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, of course, everyone's going to have different starting points with that. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Where they're at. But, you know, if you don't inform them on why they're doing something, the buy-in is really hard to get back if you don't even tell them up front. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. Well, and you, you hear that a lot of times, too, where I'd say this is probably more an American guys. Maybe this misconception might be from other guys that you were working with in rookie balls. Like, oh, bigger is better or mass equals gas. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, not always the case. And especially, you know, even in terms of actually weightlifting, you're like, oh, more weight's better. Right. Two totally polarizing thoughts for some people. And they they think that if they just reach more towards that, that the ball is going to go further, they'll throw the ball harder, run faster. But it's not always the case, right? No, not at all. And... I think I mentioned this and I think when we were talking, like there was a tweet I put out and it was like something in my own training. Right. So I think the biggest thing is like for my own training, I always take the aspect of like, Hey, I'm going to try things. If there's something that, you know, I eventually want to implement, obviously doing my research on why it'd be beneficial for the population of athletes that I have or anything like that. For me, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to use me as a test bunny, um, a test bunny. And then if I have the resources, I'm going to track myself. So I, you'll see me like during my training, I'll, I'll do a speed session. And then once I'm kind of potentiated, I hop on the force plate, see where I'm at readiness wise. Um, I'll also kind of have like, you know, uh, week one and week three. So every two weeks I'll test maybe my mid thigh pull, uh, my hip strength and my, my Nordics or anything to see if there's any asymmetries. And then based on those assessments, I kind of prescribe exercises that, Hey, one, I want to try, but then two, I feel like it's going to address those weaknesses. Right. So I think the one thing I tweeted out is like, I got all these, all this data points that I did on myself and all the training that I did. And the biggest thing that I felt like was the most important was recovery, Mm. recovery, like hands down. And it was crazy because I think people get in this concept that like, if I add more weight and I add more strength, then like my numbers are going to go up. 
one thing that I kind of realized, and I think it was during my time with the guard, like definitely during my time with the guardians working with uh, sports science analyst, uh, Ryan fair over there, just multiple conversations of like talking to him, but then also kind of seeing at, at, at Georgia is that like, you kind of push this, this strength thing for a while. And then you start getting to a point of like diminishing return. So then it's like now, like, whether there's mid thigh numbers or force output on, on the force plate, they start like going down. And it's like, why is it going down? Like I'm actually moving more weight or anything like that. And I think it's just the standpoint of like, people are not allowing the body to recover. Right. So I seen some instances where just a random, like I had a, I had a picture, right. So we were able to, we, we, we kind of see like readiness jumps pre and post uh, starts. So then from pre to post, we kind of see, um, how the game affects them. And then post to pre, we kind of see how the week of what we implement, what they're doing on the mat, what they're doing on the field, what they're doing in the weight room, the conditioning, how it affects them to get them ready for their, for their lifts. One thing we saw over a trend of those was that we had a pitcher that um, we were correlating it with uh, um, the uh, baseball on-field technology that measured their average velocity. And over a course of time, we started to see like a decline in average velocity over time. And we're sitting here like, what's going on? Like, we're looking at the program. We're looking at like, okay, weights looks fine. There's a conditioning, like obviously tracking it. There's conditioning over the last three weeks or anything like that. And so it was a good like collaborating point where we're talking to the pitching coach. We're talking to SNC. We're talking to sports medicine. We're talking to nutrition. Like, hey, we got athlete A. What's going on with them? And nutrition's like, well, he's doing a great job doing this. Sports medicine's like, oh, he's coming in and doing all his recovery and all that stuff. Pitching is like, we haven't changed anything. He's been doing the same routine or anything like that. So it kind of came back to, all right, well, it's like, he's not doing crazy amount of volume in the weight room or anything like that. Like, so what should we do? So then we're like, all right, let's turn into recovery mode. So what that looks like is, hey, let's put more of an emphasis on sports medicine, get in there, contrast baths, normal tech boots, maybe doing some more maintenance for a shoulder, nutrition, let's make sure that we're getting the nutrients or anything that we need, whether it's from vegetables, protein, uh, carbohydrates for energy or anything like that. Let's make sure we're doing that. Pitching, keep doing what you're doing because obviously it's nothing there. Maybe looking at biomechanics of like how he's moving, are there any deficiency or anything? And literally in the weight room, we're like, we're going to cut his workout volume in half Mm. and prioritize his uh, his conditioning with more of a recovery emphasis from start to bullpen and then more of a potentiation from bullpen to start. And let's see what happens. Next thing you know, we did that, cut the volume, more quality of work on, on the main movements. And then just kind of like looking at like from movement screens or anything like that, looking at his data, just addressing maybe any deficiencies. Next thing you know, over the next three weeks, we started to see that trend line starting to go back up in average velocity, right? And all we did, pitching didn't do anything different. Nutrition just made sure he stayed on, on top of his stuff. And uh, sports medicine just maybe stayed on top of him in recovery. But what's what's the common theme around it? Nutrition, he's eating better. So body's probably recovering and has a nutrition. Sports medicine, he's just upping his recovery. Pitching is just doing what he's doing. And then in the weight room, we cut the volume. Like Not that we're pulling back on his development. We were just prioritizing not stressing the body so much. So it's not as much of a hole to get out of. Right. And then we saw his numbers go back up and his velocity ended up getting higher than what he was at before. So that kind of like was a switch was like, Holy crap. Like, so again, I was like, I'll make a joke right here. Probably going to piss some people off. Do, Do they really need to train or do we like, do we just like 
just need to give them a little bit. And obviously the buzzword microdosing, you might need to do that. But I think the biggest thing that I saw from that is that recovery is key. Like they can't perform on the field if they're trying, they're too busy trying to dig themselves out of a hole from all the different stresses that they have. And again, that goes back to could be life, uh, being away from home, mom's not doing well, or grandpa's in the hospital or anything like that, not getting enough sleep or anything like that. There's all these different um, factors that play into it. But I think the biggest thing that I saw from that is that recovery is huge, whether that's whether that's actual recovery of like passive uh, recovery in a sense of just sitting on the couch or anything or active recovery of just like, Hey, um, you know, if we're got some restrictions of motions, how are we regaining the, the, the movement efficiency, um, after outings or anything, um, soft tissue work, um, contrast bathworks, ISER or anything like that, compression, anything like that. So yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing, but it's, it's, it's been something that's like super, uh, super eye-opening and something that's been super beneficial and just kind of having that different aspect or a different perspective when it comes to sports performance. Dude, I love that. And I, I love the fact that you were mentioning all the different, you know, yeah. pieces of that, you know, and, you know, I talk about this a lot about the holistic side. It's like, yeah, the nutrition, okay, yeah. you got the skill-specific coach, then the strength coach, then all that, all those people were talking together and being like, hey, like, what needs to change or what needs to, you know, be here. And sometimes that means not changing anything too. Yeah, for sure. A lot of people panic. They're, you know, some athletes that are probably out training and doing stuff. They're like, Oh, my velo reading is not better. So I got to do more and more of the more. more. Yeah. 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 Not necessarily true. Right. Like you got to yeah, sure. just pull back the reins, recover a little bit, deload, you know, another buzzword yeah. out there, but yeah, 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 yeah. do it the right way. It helps a lot. For sure. And to your point, I mean, you made the point like everyone's different. So maybe like what we did with that athlete won't work for somebody else. Maybe more is like maybe they need to be stimulated more or maybe they are anything like that or they need to be stressed more in order to kind of take that next step. So everybody's different. And that's where like I think the art of coaching kind of comes in of like, hey, this person might need this, but that doesn't mean this other person needs the same thing. Like they maybe need more. Maybe they maybe they need more of a certain aspect. Like that's where like for me it's fun. And I love the developmental aspect because you see so much of that, especially in a young population and young athletes or anything like that. Um, because I think when you get to the older athletes, you know, the major league players and triple A guys, double A guys, the upper level guys, they know what worked for them. They've kind of seen all the data over the years. And it's like, all right, this is because they have to be more efficient. They're getting older, so they have to be more efficient. These young Thundercats, like they can just run out there and do whatever. So I think it's like the biggest thing for them is sometimes pulling the reins on some and maybe pushing some others, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm curious too i mean obviously i've seen it throughout the years with just guys that i've had access and trained but you know their training age also plays a lot of role oh yeah oh even yeah what they did previously it's so like you have another guy's like oh hey i used to do you know power cleans and all this stuff i'm like all right cool well it worked for you i guess we can keep doing it unless right. you know, you're putting yourself at a high risk for injury or you have sure. something going on there maybe that would be the only reason we change it you know because sometimes you don't really want to completely reinvent the wheel for a guy that's already starting to progress and go up. But yeah. if it's the opposite, you know, and just like, Hey, everything you're doing is not really getting anywhere. Then yeah, yeah. that's where you kind of introduce some, some newer stuff. For sure. And I think that's probably gonna, that's probably what I'm looking at with this population a lot. Right. So I think 
um, the ones that are just really getting exposed to this stuff, like I think a lot of their gains or anything is more going to be neurological than anything because now their body and their CNS is actually getting exposed to stresses and all that. And obviously a lot of people will see, you'll see those jumps. So, you know, obviously when we do that, don't expect me to post anything like, look at the gains at these, but no, the body just like, the, the body is just adapting eventually. But then the older ones, like you said, they're not going to have that huge jump right away. Right. So like for them, it's like, you got to find other ways of like how to help them. And I guess that's where you kind of get into the sexy things of, um, of, of sports performance. And that's where for me, like for me personally, during my time at Louisiana tech and then spending time with Kurt Ezra, like I don't need technology, but if I have it, I'm going to use it because in a sense for me, I just look at that. Like it just takes the guesswork out of things. So like, once you kind of, I know that if I have a younger athlete, they just need to train in the most basic way possible, not reinventing the wheel. They just need to move and make sure they're moving in the, in the right movement patterns. When they're older, those are the ones that like, they might be hitting a wall and you might not just from looking at them, you don't know what's going on. That's where I feel like technology is super powerful to where it's like, oh, this is what they got. This is how they're jumping. This is how they're producing forces where they're not producing force or anything like that. Just kind of takes out the guesswork. So. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, exactly what you were saying before with guys you're dealing with or even early on, like they're going to have those novice gains. Whatever you throw at them, right? And you have that technology. I mean, shoot. Back whenever we were training, like our technology probably was a stopwatch or a tape measure or <laughs> all go out of the park or for sure, for sure, for <laughs> sure. It's crazy seeing everything now. It's like, I mean, even like something in a baseball that like trackman. So trackman obviously sees but uh, you know, velocity coming in, exit velocity going out, all that stuff. I'm like, where was this when I was playing? Like, I make the joke, like, I would go first round for sure, because I know exactly what I need, what exactly is happening and all that. So, like, these kids are fortunate. It's just a matter of, like, how much buy-in or how much value do they see in it. And once that clicks, I mean, the sky's the limit for them, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I was I was talking with a, a youth dad the other day, and he was like, why do you think all these injuries are happening with athletes throwing-wise? And I'm like, I don't have the answers, dude. <laughs> I'm just helping them out, but, like, Back whenever you guys were playing, you know, 1980s or whatever, just relative to what he was doing, I was like, yeah. you just, you guys didn't have resources like we have. Yeah. And that's why you're seeing this upward trend of velocity and everything else go up because you're you're seeing a lot more refined process now sure. versus just playing sandlot ball. And then, you know, some of those guys maybe didn't even touch weight till they got to college. If Without a doubt. Without a doubt. You know, yeah. it's, it's crazy to see and just kind of zoom out. You know, and I always talk about seeing the bigger picture and kind of not be so focused on the micro or the the day to day sometimes. And if you kind of see maybe if it's month to month, year to year progressions, you can see a lot of stuff actually happening that you're maybe too focused on the one thing. And then you actually are looking back and you're like, wow, actually, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Did you guys... um you know, I guess with the uh, with the Guardians, was there any other reoccurring themes, not to get into specifics or anything, but outside mm-hmm. of recovery, you were mentioning like force plates, and I'm sure a lot of organizations use those, but was right. there anything else in particular that was indicative of readiness? Did you guys use like grip strength tests or anything like yeah. that? Yeah, I think like, I think the biggest one was definitely force plates, uh, just kind of like utilizing those in different aspects. Um, um, another one was like, we use wellness questionnaires 
Uh, that was something to kind of put ownership on the players of like kind of giving um, that standpoint. Um, but then also like, I think another one that was kind of a game changer when it came to readiness. And I guess this is more of like, I gave the example from a pitching standpoint, but position player standpoint was like GPS, like tracking like on-field workloads and all that stuff. And then um, just kind of looking at like acute to chronics and kind of like how you would manipulate that, whether that's when they're in the off season of building up maybe a chronic load and almost like you would hear like building that base. Right. So um, just kind of taking the same approach that you take in the weight room, looking at like the demands of the sport, whether it's broken down from a month, from a week um, down to a day of what those average values look like from an intensity and volume standpoint. And then just working backwards, knowing that like, Hey, that's the goal. This is what the game demands of them. And then just kind of building that up. So again, having the technology like before it was like, all right, let's make sure that we sprint. So they know that they're exposed to that. And let's make sure we're running enough and just conditioned to make sure that they're conditioned enough. Right. So just having that objective data to where it was like, we knew how much yards are from a base standpoint over the course of a month, 30 days, this is how much yards that they high-speed running hours that they would accumulate um, during the season in a month span. So now working back, if we're building up to a month, what would that look like? And then kind of just breaking down whether that's 10 or 5, 10, 15% increments and just kind of building up to that. And then also just keeping in mind of like um, seeing where uh, guys are at. So them having uh, GPS, wearing it during games that like seeing how much exposures, like intensity that you see during the game and not like overcooking them. So there would be times, I mean, looking at some GPS where I was like, making sure that they get their sprint exposures. I had some guys that would get their sprint exposures always in the game. So they were good. And I had some guys that maybe didn't play that much and um, didn't get their experience or they didn't get on base as much. So then maybe their, their volume standpoint. So just having those, um, having those uh, uh, interventions while uh, from a day-to-day standpoint. So for me, that was fun to kind of play around with. And it's not so common in baseball. It's more common in like football or anything like having GPS and all that. But I mean, it was, again, talking to uh, sports scientists over there, uh, Ryan Fair, we just had conversations day in and day out of just like throwing ideas of how to like put systems together using all the different things. So obviously uh, um, on-field stuff of like using TrackMan and tracking velos and uh, uh, ball flight and all that stuff, having force plays to see force production, any asymmetries or anything like that, nor board, um, um, again, like force frame from hip and, 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 uh, hip, hip adductor and abduction strength or anything like that, maybe seeing any correlation. So that was the fun part, but yeah, GPS workload and all that stuff was super, super beneficial from the standpoint of like seeing what's on field, like, Hey, we're trying to prepare them for the demands on field. Like, how can we do that? So addressing any asymmetries or anything in the weight room from a strength standpoint, but then making sure that they're taken care of and can withstand the demands of the game out on the field. So for sure. And the main thing, the main thing. Main thing, the main thing. Main thing, the main thing. I I was kind of like reflecting back, you know, probably like in our high school days, we had our head coach just be like, all right, well, we suck this game, so we're going to go run. And then everybody's (laughs) doing the same run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is terrible for the guys that are probably the 10 or 12 guys that have just played and are being for sure guys who are sitting on the bench and aren't doing anything. Yeah, they'll probably get something out of it. For sure, for sure. And it was crazy. Like, I think there was one game and, like, I don't know what it was exactly, but we had, like, we had one kid that went, like, four for five, was running all over the place, stole bags, and accumulated, like, 400 or 500 high-speed running yards in a game. 
in baseball. And that's the type of stuff you would see maybe in a football game or anything. Yeah. Four to 500 yards of high speed running. And then the next closest to that was another kid that went like two for four that day and had like 250 high speed running yards. So you could kind of see like the big discrepancy. So if you didn't have that to like really see, like right away, we saw that flagged. And then it was like, we went down the chain of commands. That was something that I loved about the Guardians was a collaboration beat. Mm-hmm. Chain of commands recovery mainly hey sports medicine what are you doing uh um nutrition we need to make sure that they're getting their carbs and their protein from a recovery standpoint um you know s and c maybe need to pull back from the training or anything let's focus more on like soft tissue range of motion make sure this kid is like ready to go because you're playing tomorrow like in in major league baseball you're playing the next day and the day after that and the day after that and anything like that so that turnaround has to be anything that we can do, we're not going to technically get them all the way back, but we can maybe put in things to help facilitate that recovery. Right. And then even the aspect, there was one that I missed that I thought was most important was the mental side. Right. So having our, having our um, um, mental performance coaches on staff and having one like in Arizona to where it's like, Hey, can you check in on um, X, Y, Z to make sure like, where's he at mentally? Like, I'm sure he's fine. He went four for five, like had a great day, but like, like, Where's he at? Like, is he tired or anything like that? Because then we take all that and we go to the manager and it's like, hey, this is what we suggest. Maybe they're not there mentally. So maybe giving them a day or anything like that to maybe help out through recovery or anything. And then just adding all of that, it's kind of like you're almost putting a case for for uh, you're going to court. Right. So, hey, this is what we got. This is what happened. Had a great day. But X, Y, Z, this is all that happened from all the different departments. This is what we suggest. And a lot of it came down. Managers were great. The um, managers were great. Um, and all the uh, fundamental staff was great because if we brought that to them, it was like, all right, cool. This is what we're going to go with because at the end of the day, it's all about the athlete. So putting them in the best position to be successful. Now, would it be the best for them? Like, okay, great. They He had a great day. Just play him tomorrow. Maybe. Like, would anything happen? Probably not. But it's like, if we can help them for the long term of like making sure that he plays every single game for the rest of the season, then maybe take giving him a blow that one day or the next day after that, maybe might help them. So just kind of, again, to your point of like using your term of like zooming out, what's the, like, what's the main thing, like keeping the main thing, the main thing, and what's the most important, keeping them healthy, best ability is availability. How can we do that? If we can answer that question by um, X, Y, Z, then that's what we went with. So I loved it. Yeah, which is great. And especially whenever you have all those resources and people all pushing in the right direction, a lot of great things can happen. For sure. Awesome. Well, last last couple of questions here before I let you go. I know I want to be respectful of your time. Oh, no, you're good. But, you know, for, for maybe a young coach or maybe it's someone who either might be considering going into a position similar to yours or not really sure, or maybe they're just starting out one or two years in, like what's one of the – the best things they could do as far as their career. Yeah. I mean, I think I mentioned this to you, like my mindset has always been like an intern mindset. And what I mean by that is like one of my mentors, even with Cleveland, um, he said this and um, just staying curious, like you're never going to have this figured out. It's always going to change. You think about, you think about our time, you think about our time when maybe we were playing sports, we didn't have this technology. Now technology is booming. Like, it's in the travel ball circuit. It's at all these colleges. It's at a high school. Like we have it here. So like 
it, it in a sense changed the game of sports performance and i feel like it's only going to continue to change the game now you got you have pieces of technology that are going to be implemented in sports that measures biomechanics on field while playing and just looking at how the body moves and what that looks like and and trying to figure out ways of being more efficient like that's maybe the next wave so i think just always being curious and asking questions um that's a big thing but i think for young coaches is like always value yourself and i guess in a sense the best way to do that is like whatever's priority to you keep that in the forefront and don't change for anything like again it kind of goes back to like keep be you like there's going to be people that like you. There's going to be people that don't. The people that like you, cool. The people that don't, whatever. Like, it is what it is. Like, at the end of the day, it's a lot harder. Sorry about that. It's a lot harder to be something that you're not. So that's something that I kind of, like, sucked myself of, like, hey, like, I'm going to be me. What you see is what you get. What you what you hear is what you get. Like, you know, I'm on the floor. I like to have fun. I like to bump music. I like to have fun on the floor. But that doesn't mean that um, I don't have standards and expectations that I expect from my athletes um, all the time. And that's mainly the reason for that is I want them to be successful. There's pillars to that for me. And there's staples in that aspect that to get to that point. So for me, I like to have fun, but then I'm a little old school and like, I like to make sure that we're getting stuff done. Right. Right. Cause at the end of the day, you got to pro- provide results. Can't provide results if everybody's kind of like joking around and all that. But yes, to go back to the original thing, like stay curious, keep asking questions, whatever's priority to you, keep that in the forefront. Don't change for anything. And then most importantly, just be you, be you and stay authentic to yourself. Um, and again, like you get a job, it's it's one person. There's all these jobs and it could be the job that you want. It takes one person to like you and like you for you. And then you go into the job and you feel like a free of mind of like doing what you need to do and being the best you. And that's something that is priceless, honestly. So if I had to, I know you said one, but I just feel like those three tie together. Oh, cool. So. Oh, it's yeah, great. Just ask questions and be you for sure. Being you and having those standards too. I mean, you know, it's difficult to set standards after you've kept going, but if you started from day one, without that's a doubt, you're probably already doing now. Without a doubt, without a doubt, yeah. I had a coach. I had multiple coaches that told me like, "Hey, like you set the standards from day one, you can always pull back, right?" So if it's like at the highest level, almost borderline, maybe ridiculous. You can always pull back and scale it back. But if your standards are super low and you try to build on that, like, good luck. And that's something that I've taken with me and I've kind of seen, like, even if, uh, you know, I got maybe some coaches that I've maybe seen, like, I had the opportunity to, like, mentor co- coaches, um, maybe with the Guardians at Georgia, any interns that we had coming in. Like, you kind of see, like, it's tough. It's not easy. Like, we say that, but it's not easy because, like, you want to go into a situation, you want to make a good impression, you want people to like you, right? But then it's like for that instant gratification might screw you for like long-term, long-term success. Right. So just kind of, again, zooming out and seeing, Hey, what do I ideally want to want to do? It's like have long-term success. So, Hey, if I got to take maybe a week or two of being maybe a Lieutenant general and like, this is what I expect and they're never going to change, but then it's like, Hey, all right, this happens, blah, blah, blah. And then once, you know, the kids start buying in, then it's like, you can kind of pull back on the reins and or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, that's one thing. It's tough, but it's something that if you like for me, um, I was fortunate of having a coach tell me that. So if I had a 
young coach now that like maybe asks that it's like, Hey, set your standards high, have your expectations high. Don't change that. But then when it comes to it, like now you can kind of just bring in that human aspect of like, all right, if a person shows up to a thing and it's like my mom, my, something was happening with my mom, I was on the phone. It's not like, you're not going to berate them. It's like, all right, Hey, is there anything I can help with you? Like at the end of the day, just be a human. So, yeah. I love that. I love it. Awesome. Well, Brian, how can guys reach out to you and, and connect and network? Yeah. I mean, highly recommend it. Like that's, that's my thing. Like I want to help as many coaches as I can. I want to help move this field forward. I know a little bit is like, there's kind of that disconnect with young coaches and more experienced coaches and I get it. But at the end of the day, like I've had multiple coaches help me. So that's the least I can do. So, I mean, you can reach out to me on Instagram. Um, I don't even think it's called Twitter anymore. You can reach out to me on X. Uh, my handle is bwalker428 on both of them. Um, even on threads, that's a break off from Instagram, like all these new social media things. So yeah, bwalker428 um, uh, on all those. That's my handle. Uh, my email here is brian, B-R-I-A-N dot walker at ing.com. Shoot me an email. Um, would love to talk. Same thing, Instagram, Twitter, shoot me a DM. Um, would definitely make the time to help out any coach because again, I got mentors that um, if I didn't have them and they didn't take the time to help me, um, I wouldn't be sitting in this chair talking to you today. So um, that's always something that I'm I'm, I'm all for and um, would always make the time for. Absolutely. I love it. Well, and for those of you listening, appreciate you tuning in. Share the show if you got anything out of it and stay in the zone.